0: You are listening to episode 101 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name is John and I'm joined by Ryan.
1: Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators podcast. We like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing. And this week we strike right to the heart of the inflation deflation challenge.
0: So we uh, kind of spoiled this one over the last two weeks. We had episode 99 where we said, hey, we're going to play Super Mario Strikers on the GameCube. And we also spoiled it last week on episode 100 when we were having all of our friends here for video game trivia. We, of course, let people know we're going to be playing that game again this coming week. So the Strikers are striking right to the heart. Mario Super Strikers. Uh, also, in this week's episode, we are going to be covering uh, Sega's next retro console. Could it be the Dreamcast Mini? Uh, says a we producer. can only dream. We can only dream. And uh, also, we've got GameStop and Microsoft announcing a new strategic partnership. So, what does that entail? And also, we interviewed Alex and Eric from Two Scoop Games and their upcoming game, Kickbot. That was a lot of fun. So, uh, we actually interviewed them uh, just a few days ago. So, we'll have that incorporated here into the episode for your listening needs and pleasures and pleasures uh ryan we'll start with you do you have any pickups
1: it's always easy to start with me because i never pick anything up but i did send back uh paper mario uh origami king Mm -hmm. after probably only playing about 40 minutes of it you didn't like it did you you know it just it doesn't capture me i i just couldn't get into it like and i a lot of it's probably my fault because, you know, I was juggling playing that and not playing Persona and playing Dark Souls and playing Ghosts of Tsushima and you know, there's a lot of stuff that I was doing and not doing and actively not playing that game was probably the best part of playing that game. So, so is it
0: safe to say your gamefly subscription is going away?
1: Uh well I need to make sure that they're not gonna send me another game. So I need to go in and uh, turn that off. I just got to figure out what to do because I did accumulate some like credit. So I don't know. Maybe there's something on there that I can buy with like I think I've got like 15 bucks, 10 bucks in credit or something. Well, if you get the new uh, Series S, you really won't need need it. it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So So I'm going to I'll say this for anybody out there that actually likes to play video games, because apparently I don't. I, you know mixed reviews with gamefly like it wasn't their fault that it took so long for me to get the copy of final fantasy 7 remake yeah it was they didn't get enough stock of it well yeah but i think that that was more sony's issue because everybody was having a hard time getting stock of that at the time and then you know the other games were you know i i had a lot of fun with uh what was the first one i rented uh fractured butthole that was awesome. You know, I got to play a lot of these games and ultimately spent less than, you know, if I had bought all these games. And with the fact that several of the games that I rented, I really didn't end up playing very much of. You know, it feels bad, man, when you're paying week after week to or month after month to continue to have that game that you're not playing. But I mean... For 15 bucks a month, you could not play that game for a while and still save money. So I, I, it's a great way to test the waters. It's a great way to get out there and play more stuff. Uh, since Redbox, you can't do that anymore. Uh, but yeah, with the Series S on my horizon somewhere, I will be bidding farewell to Gamefly because... I really got to start playing Persona. <laughs> yeah, you uh, you really do. So
0: let's, uh, before we jump into mine, because I got quite a bit here. You certainly do. Uh, yeah, so what are you currently playing? Have you picked up Persona and gone back to that? Are you playing nothing? Are you playing Animal
1: Crossing? I am little... making my village so spooky, John. Are I've you... got a nice, lovely little pumpkin patch with a, I knew it. a scarecrow in there. And I, I put up some iron and stone fencing i'm really trying to i'm really trying to make another effort because like i had gotten to the point on my island before where i was like okay everything is pretty much laid out i did like some fun stuff but now i need a density of stuff like i need more things to put around my island in various places and i'll probably have to redo a few things like i made this little cafe area which seemed like a lot of fun at the time Uh, Now it just seems like it's taking up a big chunk near my plaza, and I might keep that still, but just move it somewhere else on the island. But when I went to go through my catalog and see what I could order, I don't have a lot of outdoor stuff. I've mostly only bought indoor stuff, and I know that I can craft a lot of outdoor stuff, and I haven't really gone through all of my crafting options because... Uh, the crafting is is fun and you can get a lot of cool stuff out of it i like that you can customize a lot of it but most of the stuff that you find in the store just looks so much cooler or is so much more interesting that i wish that i could get more cool stuff to put outside but with the store only having four items a day and me not going on consistently every day And I know you can go to other people's islands and just pick stuff up, and then you can go home and order it. I might have to, like, jump online and see what the randos are doing and see if I can go steal some of their cool stuff. So... For our
0: listeners out there, I think what I'm gonna have to do is go on our website and put a countdown for the end of the year for Ryan. And says like the Persona Five countdown. Yeah, and then we can shame four. we can Persona sh- Four. Count. Okay, so we can shame Ryan when all is said and done. Hey, uh, I finished Zone of the Enders last year with like at least two days to spare. A th- what is it? A five six hour game compared to fifty something hours i i've done at least 12 to 16 hours of persona already okay so we're we're counting here people ryan has 81 really 80 and a half days to get this done we'll see if he gets it done see
1: i only have to play like an hour a day for most of those days i could take like two weeks off still soon it's gonna be like (laughs) i gotta play two hours a day okay i gotta bust out eight hours today
0: okay i got 15 hours this week all right i am taking this week off of work <laughs> yeah, I got to do that myself. I have so much sorting to do. Uh, and then, speaking of website tickers, if we actually get that off the ground, you can, of course, find us on thegamedeflators.com, social media. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Game Deflators because they don't like the. Facebook and Instagram is going to be at The Game Deflators. And, of course, find us on all of those awesome podcast applications such as Podcast Addict, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and so on.
1: Uh, anything else that you're currently playing before I get into my pickups? Sort of uh this morning i was hanging out and i was doing stuff around my house and pulled up twitch to see what was on and i realized man i have not seen any dota since the pandemic and i really lost track of what was going on and what was going to be a really good year for dota and i was really excited for it when you know the pandemic struck and i don't know when they kind of got back into the dota but uh esl1 germany is going on right now and i watched a, a match of that i watched a team I'd never heard of, Yellow Submarines, get absolutely trounced by Team Secret. No no doubt there, no surprise there from anybody, but it was fun to watch some Dota again, and I'm looking forward to a good Dota week this week.
0: As so, always, uh, I am not as familiar as Ryan with the Dota, you know,
1: everything. Well, I was thinking about it. I was like, if we had done like a, uh, who's who's the Dota characters... For the trivia thing last week. I wonder if I would have been able to beat anybody. Like, I wonder if any of those guys play any of that stuff. Honestly,
0: I think Mr. Green... Because they got a Green, huge roster. Yeah, I think Mr. Green Elite probably would have been the one to, uh, to oh, take that poor one. Green. <laughs>
1: yeah, poor Green. Yeah, poor Green. He tried so hard. He, Danny K, don't be mad at him.
0: Yeah, so he he was like, I got screwed on Young Link or whatever. I'm like, because you said Kid Link. And I gave him, like, four chances. I'm like, dude, you got four chance. Like, keep going. You got, you got to give it to me. I was even, like he could have said toon link and i would have been cool with it because toon link has a kind of kid like appearance yeah. so like i knew he was going for young link but i would have accepted toon link yeah in that case and he didn't roll with either he's just like i don't know i'm like
1: well you're out yeah <laughs> like you didn't get it right i still can't believe we left out like pac-man
0: yeah i was and actually Sonic. i was actually surprised on that on that round where you guys didn't name a lot of like those staple characters but you know what? It was a lot of fun. Uh, catch episode 100 if you're interested in listening to that and seeing who won. If you want to hear an hour of
1: names being listed. <laughs> <laughs> there was more than just names. There was more a, than that.
0: We, we, had, we had I a lot came of in
1: second. We didn't lose our own thing. Yeah, we we did, technically. <laughs> well, we but, were the first losers yeah. of our own
0: thing. So if you want to hear who <laughs> won that uh, catchy episode, we recorded with the Game Tenants podcast, so we had Church on there. Uh, we had Jordan from the Grief Burrito team. Uh, Mr. Green Elite from the Next to Nothing podcast, and we had Ryan on our end, and Patrick from Sega Saturn Shiro. So definitely catch that. Give those guys uh, shout-outs. Listen to their episodes as well. And, yeah.
1: So, dude, Let's go through. What'd you get, John? Tell tell the people. I'm
0: literally not going to go through every single pickup that I had this week. Go through all the stuff you're keeping, at least. Oh, my God. uh, I don't even know all the stuff I'm keeping. Um, There's probably, like, 12 titles, I have the NES next to me so I can at least say what I got here. So let me just grab that really quick, this little stack. Um, So, yeah, basic story. uh, I'm just hanging out online, you know, right after work, as I do, checking on the various places you can find video games. And I found a listing and the listing was quite a bit. It was listed at nine hundred dollars for this huge lot of games. And I'm not going to go into specifics of exactly what I paid, but I will say I definitely did not pay $900 and I definitely did not pay even close to retail. So I got a smoking good deal on this and there was a lot of stuff in there. So in addition to the uh, Super Nintendo and Nintendo consoles that are both working, have everything with them, controls, cables, all of that, uh, Nintendo Power Pad tied to that. And of course, a lot of games uh, as well. So it was a mix of NES and SNES. Probably, this might be one of the bigger cartridge-based Nintendo lots I've picked up in a very long time. Uh, So outside of that one I got last year, there was a lot of Super Nintendo, but there wasn't a lot of heavy hitter titles in that one. Like, just enough for me to like, maybe sell some to get my money back and then, you know, kind of break even on it. But yeah, so this one I had Chrono Trigger in there uh, with the manual. A lot of manuals actually with these. All three Ninja Turtles games on the Nintendo, Um, all three Mario games. We had King of Dragons in there, Uh, Super Metroid, Mario Kart, all the Donkey Kong countries. Um, God, what else? Uh, Plock was in there. Uh, That Dragon game? King of Dragons was one of them. Uh, Turtles in Time was in there. Uh, Maximum Carnage, so Spider Man and Carnage on the Super Nintendo. Clay Fighters 2. Clay Fighters 2. Uh, There's quite a few, and then uh, like Mike Tyson's Mike Tyson's Punch Out was on there. Um, I'm trying to think of big NES hitters. I don't I don't think there was a lot of big NES games. There's Godzilla, uh, Rampage was in there. Nothing super crazy, but out of what I kept, so I kept uh, Captain America and the Avengers. I kept Defender of the Crown on NES, Battle Chess because I didn't have that. Uh, what is this? This is Castle of Dragon and. Uh, I don't know if you recall. I think I showed you a picture, and I posted it on our um, Facebook as well. But my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Manhattan project actually had like a huge chunk of the cartridge plat, like the cart itself, the plastic. Oh, I
1: saw you did a like yeah. a cart swap so or whatever. anybody
0: out there, like, if you have a really really bad cart, or a
1: sticker swap.
0: Yeah, like, well, it's basically a label swap. Yeah. So if like you've got a really bad cart, like there's a huge crack or anything along those lines. It's like 15, 20 bucks. Usually you can find yourself a heat gun and just like kind of like a blow dryer in a sense, basically an overpowered blow dryer. It gets really hot. You can peel paint and stuff with it. You just kind of go over to label um, from a distance until it starts heating up in that uh, sticky, you know, the stickiness on the bottom. It the heated. adhesive uh, begins to lift up. You can go ahead and you have that quick, but you um, you peel it off gently, but quickly and you transferred onto a new clean cart. So in this case, I had like a RC Pro AM or whatever it's called on NES, and the front happened to be good. So I stripped off that one with the heat gun for practice, and uh, went ahead and swapped my labels really quick. And it looks perfect. I mean, I it has the bend and already any the bend and everything already on there uh, from you know like at the top of the yeah. cart to the side. So it's really easy to kind of line things up because of that and you just kind of lay it on as normal and just like a sticker and it, it adheres like right away. So that was pretty cool to be able to do that. But yeah, so, so that pickup, man, I was super excited about it. Um, got a lot of stuff I didn't have already and that stuff. Oh, Castlevania 4 was one of the other ones. And so those games are put away in my system uh, that I keep, um, you know, to manage what I've got. And the other stuff is, you know, open for trades or open to, um, you know, sell, you know, if I need to. Uh, to kind of pick up other games down the road so dude it was awesome like i had a blast and then the next day okay so this isn't even all my pickups for a week the next day uh somebody had um it was a playstation 2 and in the playstation 2 they had and you can't see it here but time crisis um i think it was time crisis i forget the name of the actual game itself it wasn't like time crisis 2 or 3 It was one of the side ones, but it had a gun con and you and I have been wanting to play of two gun cons for a while. So that was cool. That came with it. Uh, Phantom Brave with the CD, which I didn't have. So I swapped out my other Phantom Brave with that one so I could get a CD and uh, some other titles like um, there was Dissidia in there. And there was a actually I have it right here, too. There was a DS game randomly, which was master of the monster uh master of the monster layer it's an atlas game so you know ds complete figured why not let me pick that up too and uh this lady had like other stuff too is this shovel knight before he was knighted (laughs) right (laughs) it looks like it uh but she had like warhammer figures and magic cards and everything else so like it was a it went from like hey i'm just gonna pick up this one thing to I'm going to pick up all the things so I got that I'm okay talking about that one but I picked up that for 40 bucks the um the PlayStation 2 and all the games I put like 20 towards all the Warhammer type figures and cards which is which is pretty cool so needless to say I had a huge week of pickups the room has gone from slightly clean to massive with a pile and yeah here we go again right here we go and then uh, the last thing we got this week is, of course, what I am currently playing. So I picked up Genshin Impact. You got on that train. I saw everybody
1: on YouTube talking about this game. It's
0: cool, dude. Like, is it it's, cool? Yeah, it's super cool. Like, I haven't gotten
1: too far because I've just been so busy this week. And... I think we talked about this a few months ago or so. Yeah. This was that game that it looked like kind of a Breath of the Wild knockoff graphically, it but it is, is in no way. <laughs> breath of
0: the wild yeah it's it's awesome there's a lot of people say it's better than breath of the wild which is insane but uh yeah i mean i like it from what i've played so far it's super cool i haven't gotten too deep into the whole like hey you got to put money to pay for this part the that's whole what gacha. i heard it's pretty good with that yeah like i haven't seen that come through yet you know i imagine we will see more of that as it you know progresses but
1: you know i'm if, not sure if you're not compelled then the waifus aren't good enough <laughs> you gotta have a lot of waifus in there to pull in that gotcha money that's where the gotcha money comes from yeah i remember a couple years ago i was like super into um whatever the fire emblem app game was like i was deep into that like and i had spent maybe like five bucks on it but I was having an awesome time with that. And then it started to get like way, way more complex. And I was just like, okay, this is not what I'm looking for on my phone anymore. Yeah. Like I,
0: I'm wondering when it'll get to that point where I'm like, yeah, I'm not paying money. And now I have to grind a crazy amount, but there's other free games that people don't put money towards like Warframe and the, the, uh, what is it? Neverwinter. I think it's yeah. the other one. And you can get through those games without paying money. Like mm-hmm. it's more of the, if you pay money, it gives you the advantage and you get special perks and you're able to do things quicker than the standard person and progress. But It it seems pretty cool from what I've experienced so far. I love it. The graphics and everything. It runs pretty smooth uh, for being an online only base game. Can't beat the price. Yeah, you can't beat the price. It's free. So I'd say if you, you know, if you got the time, check out Genshin Impact. See how it is. And then, of course, Quest Arrest is the other game. I haven't played too much of that. I got to the first case in that one where there's like a murder on the train tracks and you're trying to find out who murdered them. And then I finally I accidentally killed my first um, person in that game as a cop. And it sucks because it it honestly, it wasn't my fault on this one. So I like pepper sprayed them. I actually shot them as well. And then it dropped their HP like in Pokemon towards like a little, you know, third. And I went to arrest them. And then when I went to arrest them, it's like, oh no, they got out. And, you know, they damaged themselves by trying to get out of the, mm. you know, resisting arrest. And so they hit me again. And then I went to arrest again. And, um it killed them. Like, they were like, oh, they resisted arrest and they're dead. I'm like, damn it. So my credibility as a police officer went down in the game. So like it just went up and now it went down. Like, I'm so pissed. So I got to see, I got to look into a little bit more, maybe read the manual um, on that and see if there's like a trick to not killing them when they resist. I'm I'm not sure. Uh, And not to bring anything political into it. It's just that's the nature of a game. And We'll see. This game has been in development for quite a while. This game's been in development for a while, but I would say not before all of us. But um, it's been there for a while, and this wasn't, you know, obviously, from what I understand, part of it. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So. Before we get started on our news, we're gonna go ahead and have our listeners hear that interview that we had with Alex and Eric of the KickBot team. So go ahead and check that out now. The interview is gonna be around, I'd say 25 minutes, uh, but we asked them quite a few questions regarding like development and, you know, where they got their inspiration from and such, as well as, you know, for any aspiring developers out there, kind of some, I wouldn't say tips, but, you know, some of what they did to get where they are today and uh, to be part of that indie developer community. So Also, we talk ice cream. We do talk ice cream. So give it a listen right now, and uh, we'll catch
1: you after the interview. Hey, everybody. We're here with Alex and Eric of Two Scoop Games. They're going to give us uh, an interview on their upcoming game, KickBot.
0: Hey, Alex and Eric. I uh, appreciate having you guys on today. Uh, so we got a chance to play some KickBot this week. We definitely appreciate you reaching out to us, giving us a link to a demo and really uh, allowing us to have the opportunity to t- chat with you guys over your upcoming game. So thanks for coming on.
2: Thanks,
3: thanks. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having yeah.
0: us. Yeah, no problem. So uh, if you want to get started with us here, you know, for anybody that doesn't know what KickBot actually is, can you give a brief description on the game and kind of the, you know, the general uh genre, what it is, and you know, kind of that, you know, just an overall background of what people can experience of this game.
3: Yeah. So Kickbot is a two button precision platformer that takes place inside of a giant robot
0: leg on the moon. So within a giant robot leg. Like that is one of the coolest things out of the entire like that's not even something I caught initially uh while playing the game. So just to hear that from you, it's it's actually pretty interesting and in how it all kind of formulates when you look back at what we played, Ryan, in the actual game. Just all of that being in a leg is kind of crazy.
1: It's a great location. I've never played an in-leg game.
0: I haven't either. <laughs> uh, so got to ask you guys, like, you know, with it, just me, it's two of you, right, that run this uh, two-scoop games? Yep. yep. Okay, so it's just us. Go. <laughs> so we we chatted with a few indie developers in the past uh at different conferences and such and you know the question that you always have to ask is how long have you guys been working on this
3: so for this particular game we've been working on it for about a year and a half now um but we worked on a mobile version of a, of a similar type of game before this but we scrapped and uh and when we scrapped that we went for uh, more in a different direction of making a console or um, PC game, and that's what we that's what we're working on now. So, gotcha. And we've been making games for about six years together now. Yeah, it's yeah. it's more than six years together now because we had our anniversary blog post.
0: <laughs> gotcha. And uh, a quick follow up, and then Ryan, if you want to jump into some of your stuff here, uh, what other games did you guys have before? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah. So like, what have you released in the past? So the, the few games that we released in the
3: past uh, were for um, either for mobile or for the web. Um, and so uh, the ones that I can think of that uh, off the top of my head, uh, the original KickBot, which was back in 2014, um, we made a game called Scurry, which was one of the first games we worked on together. And that's uh, you play as a cockroach, and you jump along uh, shelves in a store as an like, infinite runner. Uh, and then we made Sirush. Uh, uh, what was the tagline for Sirush, Eric?
2: Oh boy, I don't even know what oh. was the tagline.
3: <laughs> is the is the uh, ultimate the uh, official waffle simulator of breakfast?
2: Oh yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I thought you would know it off the top of your head.
0: <laughs> it's pretty good stuff. So so hold on, the official waffle simulator of breakfast?
3: Yeah. I like that. Got the official waffles. seal of approval from breakfast.
0: Are there any videos on that?
3: Yeah, you could check out on twoskipgames.com you could see the the game. I think there's a web version. Um, we don't have it up on on uh, iOS anymore, but it's a it's a touchscreen game. So if you've got something that can access the web and a touchscreen it should work. But um, yeah, you just fill in all the squares on a waffle
0: with syrup and butter and stuff like that.
2: Oh cool. It's Actually, like no. perfectionism.
0: Yeah. I mean, that honestly sounds like something I would probably download and jump into a plane and just kind of have at it, you know?
2: Yeah. So,
1: you guys have definitely drawn from breakfast for inspiration before, but while we were playing Kickbox, we noticed, uh, you know, there's some Mario, there's some Portal, there's some Super Meat Boy kind of stuff going on. Uh, what other kind of inspirations did you guys have for your studio?
0: Well, the game.
2: <laughs> well, the the main one I think Kickbot started with an argument uh between me and Alex about who was better Samus or Mega Man. And <laughs> yeah. I say Mega Man's garbage. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> but the the funny the funny thing is I kind of got my way because Kickbot actually uh the the um Gameplay and kickbot feels exactly like the wall jumping and sliding in Mega Man X. So that's uh, okay. that was my inspiration for it.
0: Yeah, one of my favorite things is I, and I don't know if you guys drew from this, but uh, within the demo, there's a level specifically of barrels and such. Immediately thought Donkey Kong when I saw that.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, that's what that is. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. <laughs> Donkey Kong Country.
0: Oh, sweet! Yeah, that's one of my favorite series of all time. Just a country series in general. So the game draws from
2: that. a lot of like 16-bit era stuff. Like uh, my favorite gaming system was the Game Boy Advance back in the day, and a lot of Super Nintendo stuff.
0: Yeah, definitely a great era, man. I actually, uh, we'll be talking. Well, we we'll have talked about this on the episode uh, coming up when we put in your interview here. I actually just picked up a huge Super Nintendo collection the other day, and it's just chock full of great games so Mega Man actually being in there and uh, metroid so it's pretty cool that uh you guys drew that inspiration uh so i guess for a follow-up here for you guys is the music and art direction is something that really drew us into kickbots so how how long does it take for you guys to sit back and just kind of think about each level and say okay yeah this is a song that needs to go to this particular level so uh, we got started on the game
3: before we uh, before we had Jake, uh, who's the composer on the game, uh, contracted to do the music, and he had done music for uh, Pulp Pals, which is a previous like game concept that we did for a game jam a while back, uh, and the music was great. So we thought we would see if he if he could come up with something that felt like what we were going for with Kickbot because. Pole pals is a kind of relaxing, cute puzzle game, and uh, Kickbot is um, trying to be pretty high energy and fast paced. And we we kind of gave him some soundtrack inspirations like Super Hexagon and stuff like that, with like pumping beats, kind of kind of feel to it. Um, He came up with a bunch of different stuff, and we um, we kind of go back and forth and and uh, give him feedback on the tracks, and then we we see like. At least for me, I, I listen to the music a lot and then I see like what uh, world that would fit in with because we have seven different worlds in the game and they all have kind of themes. Um, and so we kind of kind of try to make uh the music fit those. And so he's made twenty-five, uh well, it's probably more than that now, but he's made at least twenty-five tracks for the game. They're all custom, just you know, for kickbot. Um, and we um uh, we have at least two for every world, so some for the the earlier levels of the world, and some for the harder levels in the world.
0: Sweet, yeah. So one of the the key things that Ryan and I uh, that really drew us in when playing your game, uh, or at least a demo, was of course the music, and then the the art style as well. That was just immediately drew us in.
1: Who's the Who's the artist on your team? That Alex
2: is. <laughs> that nice.
1: makes me really happy to hear that thank you <laughs> yeah it's great you've done a really amazing job It everything looks great all the animations look really fluid and nice the backgrounds are incredible all of those evil saws buzzing around look great.
0: <laughs> oh my god that one level ryan where we had to uh we had to like jump just a little bit to go over a saw, bounce up to a wall that was just to our right, just to drop down and then double jump again was like, it, that was a bitch. It took me forever to figure that out. <laughs> that <way. laughs> I, know.
1: I had John like, helping me and I still died like 70 times.
0: Yeah. So like I got through it like a couple days prior and I go, Ryan, you got to try it out. Like, you know, right now, before, you know, when was it probably like Saturday? I think he had it where I said, go ahead and uh, give it a shot. So I'm just sitting behind. him like, okay, you're going to do this, this and this. And he just kept dying. I'm like, Ryan, like, I'm giving you such clear directions on what to do here.
1: <laughs> John has all the skill.
0: Yeah, I got all the skills. Like, it took me a bit to get past it, but once I started progressing through the different levels, like, all right, cool. Like, I get the concept, and, you know, it's once you figure out, like, the distance before you get slashed or broken into bits, uh, it, it becomes pretty straightforward. So that's nice. It, it had, you know, seriously, like, it had a, a great amount of challenge to it, but at the same time, the simplicity of it was awesome because it was, like, it was hard, but it wasn't too hard, at least with what it's we did. It's
1: tough, but fair. It's definitely one of those games where like, you know that you're the one making the
2: mistake. <laughs> we hear that all the time. That's like yeah. one of those things everyone tells us. I'm yeah, one,
1: That's what we're going for, so that's good.
0: <laughs> so one of, the, one of the ways that Ryan and I uh, gauge games whenever we play them on a weekly basis, if you haven't heard a prior episode, is we try to take about 30 minutes, sometimes an hour. We'll sit back, we'll play a game. And, you know, we look at that from an aspect of that's about as much time as you would spend playing a demo, right? And that's where you can kind of gauge, like, is this game worth the time and effort that I'm going to put into it, as well as a financial uh, investment? And so with KickBot, we were within probably 10, 15 minutes of playing this. And it's like, yeah, we could totally keep playing this. Like it, was, yeah, so- it was worth it. Yeah, 100%. So, uh, Ryan, I think you, got, you had a question regarding uh, the controls for this
1: yeah so i really like that it's like this simple two button control style is that something that you guys i mean you kind of mentioned it earlier but like is that something you guys started at that point or did you kind of pare down to that do you like working in that kind of limited space and seeing what you can pull out of that
2: yeah the uh the game originally so it was based on this original game we did in 2014 that was um, when if you remember Flappy Bird that when he took his game off the store a bunch of like indies were trying to make games to like support him because he was getting a lot of backlash and we decided we were going to make a game like similar to Flappy Bird in that it was like really hard and very basic in terms of buttons and stuff and we that's how we made Kick Button it was just a two button game um, and we thought about instead of like going sideways going up and when we built this game, we wanted to just like keep that. Like we, we left the phone where you don't have a lot of buttons and we put it on. We want to do a, you know, a PC console game, but it's just like you, like you don't need to overcomplicate it with too many buttons. We're trying to see how much you can get out of it. Like we went and tried to make a list of all the moves that you can do. All the, all the different weird things that you can do just with the two buttons. And we've got like 30 different things. And we use that like rubric of moves to like design levels for the game. Yeah, one yeah, of I'm oh, sorry.
0: No, go on, go on.
3: All the, all the, um, decisions in, in the, in the level design is, are all based on how you can move and what ways are fun to move. And so if there's, if there's some combination of, you know, waiting and then sliding down and then pressing a button and that that's fun or exciting or scary or whatever, then we try to, you know, make levels or rooms around that.
0: Gotcha. One of the cool things that I liked is when we uh, were playing the one level where you initially get, it's kind of like the ground pound where you have to hit the left, you know, two keys at the same time uh, to fall down. I liked how on the wall you guys had the directions on there on like what actually needed to occur. So it was like throughout that level, it's like, yeah, and what's funny is I missed it at first. I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to do here? Like I, I can't get down to this particular part and I keep getting destroyed. But as I progress up, I'm like, oh crap, like in the background, it literally has the directions of what I'm supposed to do. So it was actually a nice touch <laughs> going through. <laughs> I mean it's it's one thing when like because you know, I don't I don't know if on the demo you guys included like the controls within the actual demo options or anything. I didn't I just went straight into it. So for me, I'm just like, what's going on here? Like, why can't I do this? Oh, okay. There's something on the wall that's telling me to do this instead. And it worked out.
1: Um, I've, so, I've got a follow-up. Yeah. I'd only played on the PC using the arrow keys' as direction. So how is this going to work on console with, like, a joystick? You stole my question, Ryan. I was literally about to ask him that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was yeah, literally so, going to ask. So with, um, with controllers, uh, since we want this to be a
3: console game, um, uh, you would start off with the bumpers or the triggers as the two buttons. Okay. Uh, You can, right now, the game, the demo on Steam has full controller support, so you can use uh, pretty much any controller that you can hook up to your computer. Um, And we recommend starting off with the triggers or bumpers, whichever one feels more comfortable to you. And it's only two buttons, so um, we decided to map the rest of the controller to those two buttons. So you can also use like A and B, or like one combination that I find kind of comfortable is left on the D-pad and B, so you can use two thumbs. Um, But... You can also use the D-pad uh, left and right on the D-pad, but it doesn't work well for for doing the butt stomp because you can't that press. That seems tricky. Yeah, so you I'd recommend using the,
0: the bumpers or triggers. That's actually what I envisioned for that. Ryan made the most sense. I was
1: just thinking about Joy-Con drift. I was like, how's that gonna work? <laughs> well, uh,
0: there's, there's no bumper drift.
1: <laughs>
2: no bumper drift. Exactly no bumper safe. Drift.
0: So I uh, got to ask you guys, so for any aspiring game developers out there, uh, how do you get into this? Like, how did you guys decide all of a sudden, you know, we want to make video games? I mean, for for me at least, I've
3: always, like ever since I got a Super Nintendo, uh, I've been curious about, you know, how the games get made. I didn't really know how that happened when I was eight years old, but um, I would draw characters for games that I would make up and stuff. And I was drawing all my life. Um, I got into like flash animation and stuff in high school. And then I kind of, um, after a while, I realized once I did some more research and stuff, um, I realized that that making a game, I would have to join some a company and, and there would be, you know, hundreds or more people on the team, and I, my job would end up being like, making one small aspect of the game, and I got kind of discouraged. So I kind of put that away and did web development and stuff for a while. And then um i saw indie game the movie uh which was pretty pretty inspiring for me because I, I i hadn't really heard of these small teams that were making games and of course they always existed because like even id software and stuff started off as a really small team but like people now could have the tools available to them to to make stuff if they want to so like if you if you um wanted to start now my biggest uh suggestion would be to look into um, look into a game engine like unity or something and then just find tutorials on it and try to um, try to learn from that find something that has a, a community behind it so you can ask questions and um, uh, game jams are really cool because they are these little events where you get to um, uh, a lot of times um, join a team uh, and, and some of them are in person which doesn't really work with coronavirus now but but when that when that goes when things get back to normal, it'll be great. Um, uh, game jams are cool because you can join a team with people who have made games before, or just join a team with everybody starting from scratch and learn together. Um, and so, like we've done something like twenty game jams now, and so um, it, it, starting small with something is the is the way to go. Like if you have an idea for a game. Uh, a lot of times people have their dream game idea and it's like a MMORPG with roguelike, you know, elements and all this other stuff. And it's like, just start with getting a box on your screen that you can move with the arrow keys.
0: And uh, I mean, if you guys don't mind me asking, but for somebody that's looking to get into this, what's kind of like the, the initial cost to get everything kind of set up to get your, you know, get the programming and stuff needed to start? getting your foot in the door as well as starting to create a game.
2: Mm, I mean, basically everything's free as long as you've got a laptop, you know, or a computer.
3: Yeah. I mean, the, the tools have never been more accessible. It's just like, like there's tons of information and tools out there. Just the the, the hard part is the um, just the motivation to keep at it because... You're gonna suck at first and the first games that you make in games plural the first games you make are gonna suck <laughs> and so um yeah the game jam thing is nice because you get to make a lot of mistakes quickly so you get to make lots of little small games and learn what you know like i i, I really doubt that anybody's first thing that they work on is is the thing that you know anybody else is gonna see but the, like close friends or whatever so just get them all out of the way until you have more practice.
0: So the key yeah. things are it's cost effective in a sense, right? To get involved in this. There's a community for support. So never get discouraged. And of course, don't get discouraged because you're going to screw up.
3: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Practice. I mean, that's the, that's the thing, right? I mean, nobody really wants to hear that, but you just have to spend hundreds of hours on it.
2: <laughs> yeah. You have you to be stubborn. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: You guys mentioned earlier you had done like a, an earlier version of Kickbot in the past.
2: Yeah.
3: Yes. So so we originally released because um, we started off we're we're both you know web developers was our day job at the at the time and and we still do a lot of that, but the um, we would started off with making games with um, JavaScript so they're like games that run in the browser so it's kind of like kind of like the new version of Flash games because it's like something that people can just go to a web page and they could try it out. But it doesn't require flash anyway um the the first couple of games that we made were um like these javascript game jam games run in the browser and uh, we found out that chromebooks were a thing uh, where they could run these apps that were basically just web websites and so you could make a chrome app a chrome web store app and release a game and kind of package it up and put it on their on their store platform and so we just put out kickbot on there for free with no ads or anything, we just wanted to, you know, say, "Hey, people, check this out!" And um, somebody, somebody who curates the the games on um, the Chrome Web Store must have seen it and and thought it was pretty cool because it got featured on the homepage. Um, and the Chrome Web Store is not like a huge platform, and it's honestly mostly kids using Chromebooks in schools. And so our game <laughs> had like. <laughs> uh between 50 and 70,000 people playing per week and wow. from from what i could tell they were all like like young, you know, 13-year-old kids playing it when they're supposed to be doing their work in school. <laughs>
1: <laughs> man, that's you guys were a... the new Oregon Trail. Yeah, <laughs> distracting yeah.
2: kids.
0: That's a straight up flashback to like elementary school, man. I remember just sitting back in computer class like screwing around we were supposed to actually be doing work. Yeah, Except except kids nowadays have, you know, faster internet than, than we did. I mean, what did we have? Like, not even dial-up when we were growing up, man? I just remember those AOL CDs. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, one thing I'm kind of curious about is, you know, obviously you told us we're going to see KickBot on consoles and Steam. So, which consoles in particular? And are there any plans for a physical release later on through, like, one of those limited, you know, release companies that are out there?
3: Hmm. So, so we're going to be on consoles, but we can't announce what consoles yet, unfortunately. Okay. So, gotcha. um, coming soon. Uh, keep a watch on our our Twitter account, Two Scoop Games. Um, we'll announce it there and in our Discord first. But um, we are definitely going to be on at least a couple of consoles, and so I'm, I'm really excited about that because I was a console gamer um, growing up, and I still, you know. Um, you know, I was always a Nintendo fanboy, and we're
0: um, yeah hoping to be on all of them if we can, but can't announce anything yet. So follow question, you might be able to answer this one: current generation or upcoming generation or both?
3: Mm.
1: Love to be on both. <laughs>
3: all right with ray
1: tracing in 4k 60 frames
3: (laughs) yeah yeah that that's the great thing about kickbot it's um you know it's 160p resolution high-res graphics (laughs) (laughs) we went with the game boy advance um screen size resolution so it's like if you took a game boy advance and made the screen 16 by 9 so it's a little wider but it's still 160
0: tall Hey, look, I've got the uh, Super Game Boy here, so if you guys release a physical Game Boy copy, hook me up. I'll play it on my TV.
2: (laughs) I always Uh, wanted an excuse to make an NES port.
0: There you go. Actually, that'd be pretty sweet, man. Get a a retro-style port out for that.
2: Yeah, Uh, I could probably do the original uh, KickBot game in NES. I did a workshop once, and it was pretty neat.
0: Nice. That'd be pretty badass, I think. To answer your physical game question,
3: um, we don't have any plans. Nothing's in the works, but I would really
0: like that. That would be super cool. Do You so guys limited you guys- run or I made bid. If you're listening, <laughs> is there like <laughs> you guys know what the process is on that? Like how to even, you know, get a game through them. Is it, does it have to have like a certain amount of downloads before it's even considered for that type of release? So I don't know too much about it, but recently um, a
3: friend of mine who got a game physical, th- their game physically released on on um, uh, Switch, I think. They have a limited run on Switch. The game's called Pig Eat Ball. Um, they told me that I should get in touch with somebody, and I think that I'm definitely going to do that soon just to see what the
0: process is.
1: We'd so, love to see it.
0: yeah i can tell you right out man if uh physical release gets uh, released you see what's behind me here <laughs>
1: <So>.
0: <laughs> it'll be on the shelf for sure nice so uh, let's see what else we got here before we let you guys go just looking through all of our questions i think the next one here is to just let us know where we can find you where can we get that kickbot demo where can we see you guys on social media Ah, uh, for all those crazy updates, you just told us Twitter. Uh, but where else can we get you guys?
3: Yeah, um, so we're Two Scoop Games T W O S C O O P G A M E S on everything pretty much. Uh, Twitter and Instagram are the main ones I post on. We have a Discord, um, Discord.gg/twoscoopgames, um, and that is our community of um, all these people that we've met at different expos and things that we've gone to. People that speed run the game and people who. beta testers for the game or just uh fans from different shows that we've done and then um steam is the is the main thing i mean uh right now we just released our first demo on steam this week and so you can go to wishlist.kickbotgame.com and i'll take you right to the steam page and the the name on the of the url tells you what to do please wishlist the game
0: Ryan, you got any follow-up questions for uh, Alex and
1: Eric here before we let them go? Yes, I love the name Two Scoop. Where'd that come from?
2: Uh, we're both ice cream lovers. Yep. Yeah, what's your favorite flavor? <laughs> <laughs> um, chocolate peanut butter, probably.
3: Oh yeah. So my answer is, is basically the same. I mean, I mean, uh, there's there's a Buckeye Blitz at a place called Grater's Ice Cream here it's amazing uh also love ben and jerry's there's a um i think it's called one love it's like the bob marley flavor it's got banana and cinnamon oh man ben and jerry's is
0: good hold hold on what's what's buckeye blitz is that a brand or is it a flavor that's the flavor the place the place is called graders okay Uh, hold on what what's in a buckeye blitz
2: a buckeye is a candy from ohio that's kind of like a peanut butter cup yeah it's uh chocolate with peanut butter it's shaped like a nut on a, a buckeye tree that is has to do with ohio that's like the ohio state buckeyes yeah or whatever
3: it's like a round so, reese's cup
2: mm,
0: okay so that it's just good.
3: chocolate ice cream with those in there but but um you know any fancy ice cream place that has good ice cream i'm down
0: so really oh, just yeah. ice cream
3: yeah oh yeah first question when i get to a new city is like what's the best ice cream around here oh nice
0: don't don't ask in Arizona, man. I, Ryan, I can't think of anywhere around here. I mean,
1: we've got Cold Stone as kind of like the Arizona ice yeah, that, cream place. That's
0: that's everywhere, though. You can get Cold Stone wherever. We oh, don't have that. It?
1: I thought it was an Arizona thing.
0: No, man. I used to get Cold Stone out in Florida. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, we had that yeah. in California
3: and we have that here so so Cold Stone's everywhere. Yeah. It's not wherever, up man. on my ice cream knowledge, I guess. Yeah,
0: we got to <laughs> hang out the guys from Two Scoop Games. They'll tell us everything we need to know about ice cream.
2: That's true. Need <laughs> yeah. to make a map. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: The we can have a page cap. on our website
0: with a map of the best ice cream places. <laughs> there the you remote. go, man. <laughs> That'd be the best way to get some traffic on that website. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, uh, we definitely appreciate you coming on and doing an interview with us. Uh, we really look forward to seeing the full game. And, uh, you know, best of luck on finalizing everything, your release on Steam, on consoles. We can't wait to see what it comes out on. And, you know, seriously, like, it's great work. We really enjoyed it.
3: Thanks. Thank you so much. Really appreciate
0: it. All right. So all of our listeners, that is going to be Alex and Eric of Two Scoop Games with their game KickBot. So definitely go check it out. And uh, here's the rest of the episode. All right. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed that interview of Alex and Eric of the Two Scoop Games team and uh, KickBot. Definitely go check it out. That game comes out in early 2021. We had a blast with it. Go check out their website. Go find check that out the demo. demo. Yeah, find that demo. It's actually really cool. So we It'll did take enjoy some that. time. It'll take some of your time. Oh, yeah, for sure. And like, it's it's just fun. Like, it honestly reminded me of some of those classic uh, games and platformers and such that I played in the past and uh, of course the wall jumping is just dude the mechanics are smooth in that game I, I like it it's great so our first article here today we've got sega's next retro console could be the dreamcast mini says producer and or, this is
1: oh or or, there's an or okay it could be the sg-1000 yeah nobody wants that so does anybody is, even know i have never even heard of the it, sg-1000 it said
0: australia new zealand and japan so i'm guessing like at least for us we wouldn't know and we don't have any major listenership outside of like maybe a couple of people in australia and new zealand so if you're hearing us from those two countries let us know uh all right so this is by andy robinson of video game chronicle i think they have a podcast as well uh, so check them out uh but dude so what are your thoughts on this we've talked about in the past like a sega saturn mini but the idea of a dreamcast mini like skipping over the Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive and going right into Dreamcast seems kind of crazy. Like, why not go the Saturn route? Like, why not go the route of Nintendo? Is it because the Saturn wasn't as popular? Is it because you screwed up with the Game Gear Mini and need something bigger that was more mainstream?
1: I, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Okay, I'm I'm one. I'm trying to look something up here uh, to see how many SNES classics were sold Oh, that I don't know that's uh... so I can't find that number but the Dreamcast uh, according to Google had nine point one three million sales so I I don't know if a Dreamcast mini would be that successful but we know the Dreamcast wasn't successful the first time and you know Sony really screwed the pooch on their uh, ps1 classic and that didn't sell so great you know neither you or i bought it until it dropped down to 20 bucks well it went back up (laughs) funny enough after that well it's just interesting because like the dreamcast just it failed so hard when it came out and there's a lot of you know other things going on besides just what it was you know like the rampant piracy and all that stuff was issues as well i'm just wondering A Sega Dreamcast Mini, it sounds so great. Like, I know that there's a lot of people now that never had the chance to get like a new Saturn back in the day. They would probably love to jump on this opportunity, but I just don't know how successful you can turn a failure into with a second bite at the apple when, like, the PlayStation 1 did so tremendously good when it first came out and then absolutely failed. And I mean, nintendo has really been the only person that's ever hit this like out of the park and that's because of the scarcity that they generate for themselves like the snes classic and the nes classic did so well because there were so few for a while and people got really spooked that they wouldn't be able to get them and also nintendo just kind of people really feel pulled to buy nintendo stuff again so you cannot own too many copies of the same nintendo
0: games that's true here's a couple things to keep in mind though so the turbografx 16 mini has done very well the main reason i feel because of that for one thing turbografx 16 is super flipping expensive right to get in those games i've got three games sitting here like 300 something dollars total like it's insane and a complete unboxed console i think sells for like 800 do you have sat uh dreamcast games yeah i got them back here and i got a dreamcast we've played
1: dreamcast games we played uh jack ryan radio Oh, yeah, I, di- I just don't even see them on your shelf. We hardly part, ever they?
0: play them. We also played Vet Expendables game a long time oh, ago. Oh, yeah, that's and right. And we also played um, Dynamite Cop. Okay. We should play... So- oh, that'd be a good one for the Halloween month. Blue Stinger. That's a horror game. Um, okay, so besides that. So TurboGrafx-16, there's a lot of great games in there. I mean, just off the top of my head, you know, I think... Ease 1 and 2 are on there, and those are just classic games that people want to get their hands on. There's lots of games that came from the PC Engine, uh, so really the, the Japanese releases that are on there. So you have your mix of American games or really U.S.-based games and then Japanese, or really English and U.S.-based games. English and Japanese games. Jeez, I'm mixing it all up. But you've got a good mix of that, right? And there's a lot of titles on there, whereas when we initially saw the PS1 list, we were like,
1: this isn't very good yeah these aren't even the best well and it was also kind of screwed because like the crash remakes and the spyro remakes like things that you would expect to be on a ps classic were kind of in their own spotlight at that time yeah so think about this say
0: for example you get like i think it's rival schools three technically or rival schools two is on the dreamcast i believe exclusively it's like project something i forget the name uh you've also stone got, you've got power stone one and two on there you've got blue stinger is one of those horror knights. games that's on there uh yeah you've got knights you've got um, sonic adventure sonic adventure elemental gimmick gear is on there so like there's a lot of different games that were on the dreamcast that never did get released on other consoles over time and even haven't had like remasters or anything along those lines so i think that not necessarily because it was popular, but because nowadays people look at the Dreamcast and go, wow, that was a good console. And we probably should have stuck with that. It's just when you had the whole like rampant piracy that was going on with that console of people being able to burn Dreamcast games, uh, plus the ability or plus well, just the, 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 the deep... competition it was up yeah. against. I mean, you had the GameCube, which just had the success of the N64 backing it, plus the PS2 and then the Xbox to put into that. Yeah, like, come on. Like, there's no way that thing one of them was not going to survive, and it happened to
1: be Sega and you know it is what it is well and sega does already have like mini versions of like the saturn and the genesis but i mean you can find those just sitting around at like an office max
0: like no the, they're the not... saturn doesn't have anything
1: does it oh there's no saturn no. is it just the genesis it's just a genesis okay have, i, I know was... that i've seen the genesis one there and it's just like i didn't even know this was a thing like sega's lack of publicity pushing those type of things yeah like in my mind, I don't know, maybe I just wasn't up on that when that came out or... And like, I'm personally
0: going to buy a Genesis Mini when it goes down because right now it's like 50 bucks and I've seen them go for 40, mm-hmm. but I have no interest in buying a Genesis Mini as it stands right now for that price There's point. just
1: not enough pull and I feel like well, the Dreamcast the Mini would have, have a lot of pull. A lot of people would want this, but like, you got to pay 100 bucks for it? No, I mean, I
0: and I don't think Sega would put it 100 bucks. I think they would do a nice sweet spot like 60 You know, and that wouldn't be an issue if if I saw the Dreamcast mini for 60 bucks, I'd likely pick that up compared to, you know, a Sega mini sitting at like 40, for example, like I'd be more inclined to pick that console up only because I don't have a lot of Dreamcast games for one thing. And just the idea of having all those Dreamcast games on one little console would be great. And knowing how easy it was to pirate all the games the first time. <laughs> it wouldn't be so hard to do it the second <laughs> time. Uh, no, I mean, in all seriousness, I do think a Dreamcast Mini would be pretty successful here in the States. I think it's a console that a lot of people wish would have been successful and there wasn't enough backing at that period of time. And now that all of us have grown up, we're like, wow, we definitely should have kind of backed this more. And man, do it would be so awesome to have Sega as you know a hardware company still today well like that'd be awesome
1: yeah a few things that i think are kind of holding that back from maybe being, maybe being a possibility or kind of the same things that i think are maybe holding nintendo back from doing like an n64 mini is there's just something about like the more modern controllers like once you jump up from just like a flat controller and you start to add joysticks and stuff i feel like that price gets pushed way up. And also the Dreamcast is a four-port console, right? It is. So, so you're not going with... to pack it with four controllers. So you're going to have to like Sell either have a advance. friend that has one they, they could bring over their extra controllers or sell extra controllers and now you're marketing more than one thing like once you start yeah, there's well, a lot not, of peripheral stuff yeah i mean if you got the peripherals that's fine if you i mean i don't the see them vmu there'd be no real need for the vmu because well, yeah. all the memory is going to be in the system and i don't know how much you'd probably people just build love
0: that the in. vmu you'd probably just build that in from a it'd be interesting if they had Dreamcast controllers that had the VMU already inside and you got to see because like when you start up a new game, a little pixelated version of it comes up on the VMU, right? It'd be pretty cool if they had it in a way that when you booted up the system, a little pixelated version came up on a VMU. that's already like in this controller, but see, that's an even more expensive controller now. It, it is. But at the same time, like I think it's a specialized market. And I think if you kind of set those expectations
1: and make that scarcity in a sense that, but are Nintendo you has done push it over a hundred dollars. How many people are going to buy it when well, you push it over a hundred dollars? I mean, what? Because that's kind of the whole the whole idea of this is like, look, here's a cute little it, taste say it was of 80. nostalgia. Say it was eighty,
0: and you got one controller with it. And if you want to pick up extra controllers, they were thirty bucks. Like, it's not to say that no, I don't want to buy you know three other controllers for thirty bucks a pop. But if you had that one controller, like at the end of a day. If you're charging 79.99 and you get a VMU-based controller, and then you have other controllers you can pick up, say they don't have VMUs on them, those other controllers, um, that would be pretty cool, and I think that would really target our generation and would get some sales in there. And if you make it scarce, like Nintendo does, and not to say I agree with the practices, but it come, it's a
1: smart practice. But if does you make Sega it scarce, have that that confidence? Well, I don't know. Like they're, Nintendo knows that they can just shortchange the market like that because they're Nintendo. They're, but like, if Sega's gonna go out on a limb and try to make something cool, like, are they gonna be? I mean, it might actually make sense to make less than you think you need because, yeah. like, and it and didn't to it. do so hot the first time. Yeah,
0: and then build to it. I mean, take a take a page out Nintendo's book. I mean, they're both Japanese companies. They talk about these things. I'm it, sure it's an interesting topic. Like yeah. we. To be clear, though, they did say on here that they wouldn't have plans to release something like this for at least a year or two. So there is some time to speculate and think of what's going to happen. But I think this is part of it, though, right? Like you you mentioned something like this to kind of test the waters and really see where the market's at and excitement. And if it builds up, then you're like, okay, cool, like we should totally release this and launch it because they failed so hard with the fog gaming and the game gear. Like that was so lackluster. We I all want thinking. that little game gear. I, I yeah, want those little game gears. I don't, it's not worth it. So uh, let us know, of course, what you think in the comments. Let uh, us know if you have those little game gears. Let us know if you have little game gears as well. Okay. The next big thing here, before we move on to our inflation deflation challenge of the week, uh, GameStop and Microsoft have announced a new strategic partnership. And this is by Mark DeChamps at comicbook.com. So, The overall thing here that we're looking at is Microsoft is putting an investment into GameStop in the sense of giving them Microsoft Surface uh, tablets really to have in hand. Um, I think it's Office 365 or some sort of variation of it to have for their purchases. And uh, they are also going to be allowing GameStop by selling the all access within their stores get a cut of that revenue lifetime. So if you bought... Um, All access at a particular location that location would see a benefit from your subscription So they would get a cut of that on a monthly basis seems pretty straightforward to me to be honest And I imagine they'll try to work out some sort of similar deal with Sony and maybe even Nintendo down the road uh, To get that type of cut from revenue, which in the next generation of games or upcoming generation uh, I think that's smart by GameStop and then there's a the whole thing of backwards Wait, no, do compatibility. Do you think this is
1: smart by GameStop, or do you think this is smart by Microsoft? Like, I don't remember reading in the article who approached who for I mean, these this are, deal. Yeah, we
0: probably wouldn't get all of those details in there, but I would say that it's it probably It seems benefits... like Microsoft
1: is the one doing the giving here, so I have a feeling Microsoft came down and was like, hey, GameStop, we see you doing bad down there, trying to push all these Funkos. Let's give you a hand. Let's Let's push all this... This weird stuff you got going on here, out of the way. Don't forget the Mega Bloks and plushies too. Have some new computers. Let's get you guys off of, uh, you know, Windows XP.
0: Have, uh, you know. You mean they weren't using Windows ninety five at GameStop, right? I was wondering why it took so long to look up my info. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I could see this both ways, right? So Microsoft obviously coming in with that predatory approach, right? Of hey, there's a company over here floundering, and we can jump in there, and we could get a huge share of his pie from the used game market. And with our backwards compatibility and GameStop's ability to bring in used games, that's a good push, right, for a console. Like, all of these Xbox games, Xbox One, 360, original Xbox, you can play all of that on a new console. Here's all access. You know, I can see that from Microsoft as a bonus, right? But I think GameStop makes out a little better here just because of all the financial issues they've had over the last year and all the BS that they've had to deal with, or really, all of us have had to deal with. So... I do see it both ways I see a very complimentary of one another and if GameStop corporation can go in and say like hey Sony we're doing this with Microsoft we want to do something similar hey Nintendo we want to do something similar hey Sega why don't you bring that mini over here as like an exclusive something along those lines these are ways that I think GameStop can really bolster that revenue and it's got to be part of like Reggie's are you sure plan. they can't just sell more non video game stuff. Like you it isn't know,
1: it's been doing great
0: for them so far. It has been all those t-shirts that you can buy from GameStop. Yeah, they're fantastic. All those expensive figures. Actually, it for people listening, if you haven't noticed before, GameStop actually has a pretty cool like deal of the day. If you've never seen that, where they have like some Funko Pops, like five bucks, you can get T-shirts for like eight dollars all the time, like crazy stuff. Some video games, they just have like flash sales for like 24 hours or it's like three to four Whatever you
1: can do to bring them
0: in. Yeah, whatever you can do. And well, so those are great because that monthly, which speaking of which I got to go in, uh, that monthly five dollar certificate we get as part of a pro membership, um, you can
1: use that towards those new items, which is actually kind of cool. Well, I wonder how much money GameStop is planning on losing to or has lost up to date from Game Pass. Like, Game Pass has got to be a huge blow to, like, the used, you know, Microsoft, Xbox game market because, like, so many of those games that are on there are great games that you'd actually love to play and they're even cheaper than going and buying a used copy. Like, you know, people that just want to play the games and people that go in and buy used copies, like... You go in to buy used copies to, you know, throw into your collection or if it's something that you think you can flip for more because they've got it listed cheap or whatever. But I'm sure there's plenty of people that go in, buy a used game, trade that game in to buy another used game. You know, you just keep it as, like, a library card that costs you however much the difference is between how much you traded in for and how much you bought it for. So, like, I don't know. There's so much stuff that Microsoft is trying to push with like going digital it's kind of interesting to see them try to plant firmly into a physical kind of place yeah no i totally feel you on that and
0: honestly i'm not fully sure where this would uh you know where they've maybe lost money from a thing like game pass but i think this is all part of their evolution as a company too because we had seen reports of different game stops opening up with like I guess like play hubs in a sense where you go in and you can play PC games and whatnot. And yeah, they've it's got more, like tabletop areas. Yeah, It's more like you're what you see in mom and pop shops. And like if GameStop evolves to that level and we start seeing them sell things like magic cards and hosting tournaments and doing that, I can see them surviving even beyond this coming generation. But if they don't continue to evolve the way they need to and go in that direction, they're going to be gone. Like,
1: well, in those larger type of stores that they're, I can't remember where they were testing some. We covered it a uh, while ago. I think it was ago. in like the Dakotas, if I'm correct. It was yeah, like somewhere, somewhere weird. Yeah. But, uh, you know, those larger kind of stores, that lends to that, you know, hey, I'm the GameStop employee. I've got a Surface in my hand. I'm going to walk around like I work at the Apple store and help people and chat with people. But it's like so many of those GameStops are so claustrophobic and just like a hole in the wall. Like, well, now They're you have probably the more life. comfortable standing behind a counter than just walking around trying to dodge the the towers of whatever merch are out in the middle of the store
0: well and we have the whole thing of like COVID and staying six feet and yeah. all of that so like that's been a blessing because now I don't have GameStop employees coming up behind me scaring me asking me if they can help like, so that's Would you like nice. to reserve anything? Would you like to reserve What are you going to buy today? Yeah. Can I sell you a, a digital code for that instead of the actual game? Yeah. Can I help you out? Is there anything that you're looking for? Like, if there was something I was looking for, I would have come to the counter and asked you if you had it in stock, mm-hmm. or I would have gone to the shelf and then gone over to you. Like, you don't have to ask me 10 times. Yeah. So it's ridiculous. But yeah, so let us know uh, what you think
1: about that. I want to make a bet real quick. Okay, go ahead. I bet in five years, we have... GameStop slash or no, no, Microsoft GameStop stores where they're going to be like Microsoft is going to move in and they're going to start selling all because the Microsoft stores haven't really done as hot as like the Apple stores. So you could like half convert some of those. You know, you've got those GameStops where you can go in and play the games on the computers and stuff. Those would all be Microsoft computers Yeah, I I think they're uh, they're gonna buy them. It's almost like it'll be like GameStop Series S. That'd be interesting.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. Hey, so uh, GameStop XP. uh, (laughs) GameStop. Nice. Uh, So before we get into inflation deflation for this week, I think you got some trivia for me
1: over there oh yes i do
0: thanks for reminding me yeah you gotta boot that up i gotta see how i fail on trivia so of course you know we did do that trivia episode last week so go ahead and catch that one and uh just continuing on with some of this weekly trivia that we got what does ryan have to offer and throw my way did you really lose the trivia i did you did lose it do you Uh, even remember what the trivia question was i remember what the answer was okay so ask your own question that works with that answer. You're going uh, If you lose that trivia, dude, I just worked up that trivia in my uh my little where promo was it? for I it.
1: had the page open still and it's gone. So,
0: just like his video games, Ryan can just not seem to keep control over his browser. You're killing us, man. Oh my god. All right. Well, um just <laughs> we're going to we're going to time it out here. Yeah, just do it. All right. We're going to we're going to come to a quick commercial break as Ryan tries to find the trivia answer.
1: And we're back. All right, John. What is the Japanese name for the Sega Master System? oh god there was a there was a japanese name
0: for the sega master system there sure
2: was
0: (laughs) okay uh hmm any hints here um
1: it it isn't it isn't the first and it isn't the second it's not
0: the first or the second so it's not sega master system one or two Because I I think there was one or two on those. Uh,
1: God, what the heck was it? Actually, that was kind of a bad hint, because apparently in the PAL region, it was the second. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. I really don't. The Japanese Sega Mark
0: III. Okay, yeah, there was no way I was getting that. My mind was not even close to that Yeah,
1: so North America, European Master System... And then there was the Sega Mark III and the PAL Master System Two. Man, okay, that was you got me on that one. That yeah, was... I was I was wrecking my brain, folks. I I had a really good trivia question earlier, and then I couldn't find the answer to the trivia question because it was it was gonna require way too much research. Was that the one that you were looking for? Yeah, yeah. There? Okay, I, I had this answer, but I couldn't find the question. Oh, you couldn't re- Okay. <laughs> well, I didn't want to say like. You know me and Sega. I didn't want to say, what's the Japanese Genesis called? When I'm really talking about the Master System. I gotcha. Well, and we were just talking about that SG-1000. I still don't know what that is, and that's listed here.
0: Yeah. Well, people got to listen to some intermission music, so it worked out. Okay, so I will
1: do better next time, I promise. Always in second place when it comes to trivia. You know, Smokey to Bear has... No, is it
0: Smokey to Bear? No, Smokey to Bear tells us no forest fires. Who tells us always be prepared? I don't remember i don't know that's never a trivia question somebody <laughs> tells us to be prepared i don't remember a scar scar he does <laughs> a scar from the, the lion King. he does in musical form okay we're gonna get sued by disney now all right so Jack-booted uh booted lion <laughs> all right dude so inflation deflation of the week this week was super mario strikers on the GameCube, developed by next level games published by nintendo designed by brandon gill and uh this was released in december of 2005 it's a sports game with reception of around 7.5 overall. So let's get into it. Uh, I completely demolished you in this game. Yes.
1: Yes, he did. And for two weeks, he you know, he hasn't been holding it over my head too hard.
0: No, not at all. Mainly because Ryan just hasn't been here for two weeks. Thank God. Yeah. So now that we're here, Ryan, I demolished you in that game.
1: Yeah, you totally did. But you know, what? it is a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. It was a great game. I have heard so many good things about this game and never ever have I played it and I I regret not playing it like this would have been so much fun back when I had my GameCube you know to sit around and play with friends this would have been awesome I don't know how it never happened but I wish that I could go back in time and do that so Mario sports games for
0: me have always just been a lot of fun hence why I beat you in tennis uh I I will likely beat you in golf whenever we play that baseball you shouldn't even attempt it I, I will baseball's actually my sluggers. Best. Oh yeah, that is uh well whatever it is on the GameCube. I think Super Sluggers is on the week like So, yeah, I will absolutely dem- if you thought soccer was bad, you don't want to play me in Mario Baseball.
1: I have a a theory. I actually I was I can't remember. I was watching a video a couple days ago. Uh oh no, no, this was the FIFA thing. I was uh there was news flash, breaking news. Uh, FIFA 21 Legacy is garbage. Don't buy it. It's just not worth your time or money. But I watched a video about that and I was thinking about Mario uh, Strikers because that's a soccer game. I was thinking about the Mario baseball game and I also saw another video that was about like sports mix about like Mario sports games and stuff. And, you know, the Mario Tennis and the Mario Golf have had way more entries And those are kind of, like, the least interesting Mm -hmm. of those sports. Like, objectively, like, you know, baseball and soccer, I think, are more interesting, like, video games to play than golf and tennis. Well, and then you have Mario. I think it's three-on-three
0: basketball, if I'm correct, on the 3DS. And I want to say there's basketball on the uh, Wii version, too.
1: But there's... So there's only, like, a couple entries of those games. And I'm wondering... If the popularity of games like MLB, the show uh, uh, FIFA games mm-hmm. and uh, if those kind of uh,
0: prevent Nintendo from wanting to produce more of them. Yeah. Like or I wonder just not as critical of a success.
1: Well, because uh, FIFA, I know they're not super. They're not super popular EA on Nintendo, like they don't really push onto nintendo consoles as comfortably and i wonder if there's some kind of tension between like the mario sports and the real sports games that makes it like how many people are playing like is that i'm sure there's like a tennis pro game and i know there was like tiger woods golf games and pga games and stuff in the past too and probably still currently but i don't know that's just something to throw in there as a side note like i wonder if there's not as many mario soccer games because fifa's so popular
0: i mean it's a strong possibility maybe the market just isn't there for them but uh, you know looking at this game overall uh the only thing i can put against it would likely be uh i'd say the character selection just wasn't like not as enough. big of a roster as you would expect and it would be nice instead of having to go like you know hey i'm gonna pick mario as my captain and then the rest of them are koopas or the rest are gonna be birdos or toads i
1: think it just makes it easier to keep an eye on who your team is without remembering trying to remember individual players well that's
0: why you have the colors so that's I mean, true too you
1: know so that's part of that uniform
0: aspect because if you look at it from a fifa standpoint you know you have the colors that's yeah. how you can keep track of your players and then the you know the ability to obviously pass to your own players but I had a lot of fun with it. It kind of reminded me of uh NHL Hits, actually, in a in a way. You um, destroyed me at that because too. Because I just well, I didn't destroy NHL Hits, but if we do play that, I will destroy. you. We played you. some hockey game that you wrecked me in on the SNES, and yes, I did destroy you on the Super Wayne Gretzky's like nineteen ninety seven All Stars. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, that was good too. So, I would have to say this game in particular, uh I think it's great from a standpoint of the gameplay mechanics were awesome i think it's a quick version of a fifa so you get that same kind of feel and fun that you would get in a score is way
1: too high totally unrealistic soccer game score is nobody way too high. 7-0s anybody in real soccer
0: oh i have 7-0 people in fifa uh, you know provided they're real no, like, soccer masters uh-huh. of fifa uh, uh usually it's when it's an exhibition game against a really bad team one one it's usually seven one in those two cases. so yeah i had a lot of fun with it uh i liked having waluigi just go like wow and put his arms out every time he scored a goal to be like look the at Wah me Master. it was awesome so i would have to say if i was giving this game a review i know it had reviews of 7.5 Seven point
1: five is about the
0: average it's got uh, some eights it's got some low sevens i'd say like 8.5 man like this game's a lot of fun it's totally worth it um you know i, I like it so what is your opinion before we get into the brass tacks here on price point
1: uh, you know, I liked it. I really did. Like I said, I wish I could go back and play this game at a younger age where I had more time to, like, really get into it, because, like, you obviously trust me because you've got some experience with this game. And I actually never played this one. I've never... I i've probably played a soccer game i shouldn't <laughs> say i've never played a soccer game but the, i don't remember ever the playing thing a with some of these games, games is I, i've played a lot
0: of hockey games in the past similar and the uh, the way that you play both the passing structure and even basketball games too like it's just very similar it comes second nature to me these okay. types of games so like that i do have the fundamentals we can pick up any sports game and i'll likely trounce you in it yeah i'm sure you will yeah uh okay so overall overall i think it's great okay cool so brass tacks here, we've got complete in box is currently sitting at 56.61 uh, that peaked at 6195. I left it off, but that was also that was August of 2020. Oh, OK, so pandemic special uh, and then trending downwards right now, which is to be expected. And then loose, we're sitting at 41.15 peaking August 2020 at forty three dollars. And that's also trending down.
1: So this was just up there
0: just recently. This was at yeah. its climax. So what was pre pandemic? Do you know offhand? Um, would it be an F40 range? Because that sounds about right. I'll look it up. Hold on. Okay. so as it stands, regardless, dude, I honestly with these sports games like this, I would say 56 bucks if you had the choice between a new FIFA game and Mario Strikers, I'd buy Mario Strikers hands down over FIFA, even though it had a limited roster. I just think that, you know, with the crap that EA has pulled over the years and you know, like that legacy roster update that they're charging full price for. This is just a game that you can sit back with some friends and have a blast playing, and it doesn't have that competitive, like, atmosphere going for it. What'd you end up finding?
1: Okay, so uh, the game has been in pretty close, like within a dollar of each other, loose and complete for... uh, maybe within three or four dollars of each other, loose and complete for years now, and then it just launched up uh last october so pre-pandemic uh it started shooting up at that point it was 30 bucks complete in box 25 bucks loose and then it started climbing up from there so assuming these
0: levels go back down i mean i think we are starting to see that a bit right as things open up um
1: for sure I don't know, GameCube's can... going to be on the upswing, right? Like we're starting uh, to get to that range where that's going to be the new nostalgic kick.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's part of it. But, you know, these prices are highly inflated right now, just given what's going on. So I would see them
1: level out at some point. It's not the best deal you're ever going to get, but they might climb back up to this range in the next five years. Yeah, who knows? Uh, but let's just say
0: this goes down to 50 bucks here, right? I'd be OK paying 50 bucks if I was totally new to this. Hadn't played this before and was like a complete in box copy for a new GameCube I picked up. Fifty bucks would be a pretty good deal here. So you think it's still worth the price of a brand new game? Yeah, like honestly, if you look at Nintendo games in a way that they're typically priced on a used scale, even at a GameStop, they don't go down that very often, especially if they're good games. And this is a good game. So if you're looking at fifty six bucks right now and you had FIFA on one hand and Super Mario Strikers in the other, I mean, I can go with the strikers because FIFA is going to go down in price. And, right? fi-
1: and it's not going to try to sell you a bunch of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like you got everything
0: here, it's already good to go. You can have a blast with it. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of nostalgia tied to it. Man, you know, if I didn't have this game and I was really itching to play some strikers and I saw it for 56 bucks and I didn't know any better, you know, like I didn't know I could go out and, you know, find it in a lot or something. I would buy it with the comfort of knowing, because that's a risk too, right? When you buy GameCube games from, and I'll go into that in a minute, but uh, if you were to see this at a store for 55 $56, bucks, i would pick it up. Now, the risk that's tied to and why I say GameCube games are kind of iffy is there's like not so many layers. So when you buff out a game, like a PS2 game or a 360 game, there's a number of layers where you can go kind of harsh with the sanding process on those. Um, you know, through professional uh, machines that, uh, resurface and after a certain period, those games eventually die. Right. With GameCube, you really can't do that. You can go like one resurface and then you still risk it not even working after one. If you go too harsh, you can't even do two. So like if you find games that are scratched, and they've obviously had some sort of like resurfacing done in the past.
1: You can't. They're gone. Yeah.
0: You got to be weary of that. Like there's some games that are just so far beyond a GameCube that there's no point in even picking them up. So. I think in cases like this, I do find more comfort sometimes in purchasing off of eBay and purchasing, you know, from a a seller, you know, locally. Somebody Uh, who's verified the quality. Yeah, yeah. Like in a store and you have that ability to get a refund and whatnot. So, yeah, those are instances where I'd say buy this at a store. So, yeah, 56 bucks. I think it's fine. I think it's actually perfectly priced right now, given the situation.
1: Oh, man. Um I'm I'm going to be a little contrarian on this. Like I thought it was fun and I had a good time and I would love to go back and play more of this game. But like with how critical and how harsh we are sometimes, like would you have purchased this? Would you have said it was priced just right during pre-pandemic levels in that 35-40 range? Yeah, definitely. Take 20 bucks off the top of this. I I'd pay I'd pay that. I'd pay 35 bucks. I might even pay no, I prob- uh-huh. I don't think I would probably pay more than 35 bucks for like okay. almost any GameCube game just cuz there's there's a point where games are old and if they're not super rare, I just don't see you know, I just don't see you getting that time. Like once you get here's the thing, you know. Once you get into collecting, the idea is to get a bunch of games. That's what you're you're collecting for, you know? So if you're going to pick up a game that's like a fun cool multiplayer game like strikers how often are you going to go back to play that game and get all that money out of it like if you're just going to sit down and play it a couple times and it's going to sit on your shelf i feel like that's a little bit too much to pay if it was like a brand new game that you just went and bought at the store you know that you're going to throw like 30 hours at that yeah and i just don't see people doing that with a multiplayer game that they got used just to add to their collection well i mean it
0: depends on who your friends are too right so if you have a number of friends that are willing to play this type of stuff you know i i think it's worth it so let's just say this we'll say it's priced just right because at pre-pandemic levels it would definitely be right where you would purchase it at i would 100 percent purchase at that point i'd even say it was deflated at that point in time so let's say just right for this week um you know pre-pandemic and then even current i would say that you know this is a good game you should pick i mean it up. you're you're you the collector it. here yeah.
1: so if, I, if you think that 56 bucks is
0: like there's people shooting 80 dollars towards super mario sunshine on gamecube right now when i just saw one at walmart for 37 dollars used yesterday i just bought it with galaxy
1: and 64 for yeah 50. exactly
0: yeah and i just saw like the combination yesterday at walmart is 37 dollars because somebody returned it uh-huh. and walmart dips down the price if it's returned oh really and opened yeah so yeah so i mean seriously if you have that ability and people are still buying like sunshines at 80 bucks and even like 60 dollars, this isn't going to get remade anytime soon no this would be a good pickup if i'm a collector and i'm looking at a, a game that could potentially skyrocket in value down a road this is definitely one to get so I hope you guys uh, enjoyed that particular review. Uh, next week, I just threw Ryan Blue Stinger on the Dreamcast because we really haven't played a lot of Dreamcast games uh, since we've been doing this podcast. So let's try and get through all the Dreamcast games I own, man. Uh, Blue Stinger is actually a pretty affordable game. Uh, I think it's considered a third-person horror game, I believe. And it's, you know, had some, you know, I wanna say mediocre, but okay reviews over the years.
1: And, uh, Let's give it a shot, dude. Dude, I have no idea. I can't tell what's going on in any of these pictures on the back of the box. The front of the box has a guy with a gun and then the comet from Final Fantasy VII about to hit an island with a zombie in the background. And then the first line on the back is survive the terror of Dinosaur Island. I don't see any dinosaurs on here. I see zombies and comets. Use your imagination, Ryan. So next week, Blue Stinger, and you'll catch it here. Any last comments before we close the episode? Uh, Thanks again to everybody who came out for the episode 100 last week. That was a ton of fun. Thanks again to Two Scoop Games for giving us a great uh, opportunity to interview them and check out their new game. And uh, we'll, we'll let you know when they let us know more about the release of that yeah totally worth it so give, it, give that a shot
0: uh and of course as always find us on all those awesome podcast applications leave us six star reviews if you can if not five will suffice and of we'll course, we'll settle we'll settle yeah and of course find us on social media twitter is going to be at game deflators instagram and facebook is at the game deflators my name is john i'm ryan and thanks for listening